0: what what actually got me searching into my grandfather's life was my dad brought up just you know, one of these conversations where you know you're not expecting it. We were having breakfast one day by VGH, uh, over on Broadway. You know, and we were looking out over the city, and my dad just casually said, "Oh yeah, your granddad had a had a restaurant over there," and I, I didn't know that. You know, and and I said, "Well, whatever happened to it?" And he said, "Oh, they they blew up a movie theater across the the street, and you know, part of the ticket office flew into his restaurant." And he thought, "Oh, well, this place is getting too tough. I'm out of here." And I was like, holy shit, Like, what? I didn't know about that. Like, wh- when did that happen? And he says, well, I don't know, in the early 30s sometime. Like, he didn't know. He, he didn't know. So I, I thought, I have to dig into this.
1: You're listening to Interesting Vancouver Portraits. The show is an extension of the annual Interesting Vancouver Speaker Series. And it's a podcast about ordinary Vancouverites leading extraordinary lives. I'm Josh Garrett-Wyon. And today, an interesting Vancouver portrait of painter and nightlife historian Tom Carter.
0: Apparently, um, this is in Ivan Ackery's book. Ivan Ackery was the manager of the Orpheum for years, and uh, he did his memoirs back in the 70s, and he wrote about this. And he he said that a friend of his, and this is back in 1933, um, that a friend of his said, hey, did did a theater in Vancouver get bombed? And he said, yeah. And he said, yeah, that he heard about three guys in a fishing lodge up in Squamish, that apparently he overheard them and they were from Chicago and they were here to do a job in Vancouver and and then they were gonna be uh, going back via Northern BC and then sneaking back down through Alberta and then catching a plane back to Chicago. You know, they're pretending like they're American tourists up here, you know, just on a fishing vacation. That's kind of what got me into the archives. I started digging into the archives and learning out how to find, how to sleuth stuff. Because that's what it is, it's like your private eye work. You know, you're, you're trying to find out stuff. You just have a couple of facts to go on and then you're trying to paint the picture from that. Well actually, I found, the, I found the theater and then I found the story about it and then I found the cafe that was across the street. And you know, and one thing led to another and I was able to piece my grandfather's life from 31 to 38 together that my dad didn't even know about.
1: Looking into his grandfather's restaurant got Tom wanting to know more about the different theaters along the Hastings Strip. He started painting the vaudeville clubs, reconstructing them from old pictures and anecdotes, as well as visiting the old theaters.
0: As I was like digging into these archival photographs, it struck me that the city back in the 30s and 40s when he was here, um, so that's long before I was born, but it actually felt the same as I remembered it before Expo. You know, they changed things so much during Expo 86 and the city that I remember was much more industrial, like there were sawmills around, you know, False Creek, and there was, there was, uh, you know, the smell of lumber and, you know, creosote and railroads and stuff. And it was really cool, it was way more industrial and gritty than it is now. And so I was looking at these pictures of Vancouver back in sort of this film noir area, you know, in the 40s, and it had this really cool vibe, Then I actually remembered it kind of feeling like that when there was lots of neon, you know, and there was like rusty fire escapes and, you know, it was really kind of cool and beat up looking and I really liked it. And so I I actually wanted to paint that, you know, cause when you're an artist, you just sort of want to get stuff out. And so I was trying to express how I felt about the city that was kind of not here anymore. Then I was offered a show, which it never happens to you when you just love it. And the show sold really well. And what they wanted was they wanted the Vancouver paintings that I was doing. They didn't want any of the abstracts or any of the other conceptual stuff that I was working on. They just wanted the Vancouver stuff. And um, at that show it, so, it sold well and actually I sold one of the paintings for such a lot, over $13,000, that I thought "Oh, wow I can actually pay the bills with this.
1: Tom's interest in Vancouver entertainment history grew beyond just painting. He started to collect artifacts and search out the people that had actually frequented these places. With a network of other collectors and historians, he started to work towards a public archive of late-night Vancouver.
0: So the theater stuff, that that started with the the Pantages. And then I started to dig into the history, and that got me um, talking with other collectors and other historians, theater historians. And, And then I started to find out that there were other guys who had actually saved stuff from other theaters. And I just kind of like started this, I went down this rabbit hole and started this crazy thing because like, I started to find out that there were other things that I could save. So now I got pieces of the second Pantages and I got pieces of the old Orpheum. You know, before the, I got pieces of a lot of stuff and uh, one thing led to another and before you know it, I was collecting scripts and I was collecting you know scrapbooks and I found out that, that there was a lot more of our city's entertainment history that exists that we don't know about, but it's all in private hands. It's all in like basements and attics all over the city. That actually made me feel really good because I know like, oh my God, there's more people like me out there and and we're actually rescuing it, you know, which is, which is really empowering and really cool. But then we started to figure that a lot of these guys are, you know, quite a bit older. They're in their 80s or 90s even. These guys, they really have a lot to say. They're very interesting guys. They're in poor health, some of them. And my anxiety is that I'll get so busy with my day-to-day life, you know, just, just meaning to get to them, and that um, I won't get to them in time. What I found really interesting, and I was studying that theater, so that's the same, the old Pantages Theater, which then became The State, uh, which was a burlesque house. And what I found was there were certain guys who owned it at that time. So I got kind of to traced all of the owners and all the people who booked the club And I found this particular bunch of guys in the late 40s into the mid-50s who I found really colorful, and they... I found that they had nightclubs in other parts of the city. Like one of the fellows, Jaime um, Singer, had the Palomar, and Charlie Nelson had the Mandarin Gardens. And these were all like legendary night spots in, you know, in the 40s. They were kind of rascals, you know? They were. And and uh, and I don't want to say anything that would insult anybody, but they were the kind of guys who would set up nightclubs, who, were, who would borrow all the money they could, you know, and, and want to hang around in clubs and uh, until 3 in the morning with showgirls and 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 gamblers and, you know, kind of nefarious types. And, uh, yeah, these are the kind of guys who, like, you know, who wore chalk striped suits and fedoras and smoked cigarettes, you know, like, th- those kind of guys. I, I, you just got to like it, right? Well, and major, major um, traveling acts, too. We're booked into these clubs. So we're talking, like, Louis Armstrong. And Billie Holiday.
1: Your goodbye
0: left me with eyes that cry. These are the major players, like, like Sammy Davis Jr. used to come here all the time. What kind of man is this? An empty shell. And uh, when I was researching the state, I was talking to, uh, a, she was a Broadway star, Mimi Hines. She is from Vancouver, I didn't know that, but I, I ended up talking to her in Las Vegas. She told me that uh, back then she used to play the state in the Mandarin gardens and the Palomar. And she was buddies with Sammy Davis Junior because they were around the same age. They were teenagers at the time. And um, and Sammy Davis actually told her once that Vancouver was the place where vaudeville went to die. You know, when she said that to me, I thought I thought it was an insult, you know. So what do you mean? Yeah you know? and she says, No, 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 it's not it's not kinda like a bad thing, it's actually a really good thing. What he meant is that it, it lasted here longer than any other place. We were running vaudeville in theaters right through the thirties, the forties, and as late as nineteen fifty eight. We still had like vaudeville with a live orchestra with like a full cast and unbelievable that we were still running it here because technically they said vaudeville kind of died in the states in the early 30s Sort of a typical story is uh, the scrapbooks from the Marco Polo. That is a miracle, because um, they were known. It was like people knew about these scrapbooks, and they had gone missing. They had been lost in the warehouse where they were, and then when the family sold the warehouse, there was just a lot of stuff in there. They they just got mixed in with all the junk. So I'm coming through um, Chinatown, and I talk to a, a dealer that I know. So he opens up this scrapbook, I'm noticing um, that what it is, I, I'm just looking through, oh my God, I can't believe this is, this is like everything to do with the Marco Polo, which is a, just a holy grail. It's a club that had, it was really well known that nobody knows anything about. Like it just, all kind of traces of it vanished. There's no interior shots. There's no menus. There's just nothing. It, there's nothing but talk, you know, about it. And everything in the scrapbook, I suddenly realized this actually looks like the, the actual official scrapbook. This is the owner's scrapbook of the of the Marco Polo. And I asked him, and there was two of them. So I bought I bought everything. I just I just plunked down my Visa card. I said, Well, where'd you get them from? And he got them from a binner, who was like a, one of his sources, a picker, you know, who got them in the garbage behind this warehouse that was being cleaned out, and so they had been lost in this warehouse. They'd been turfed in the bin, and if that picker wouldn't have gotten them, or if he would have been an hour later, you know, or if it had been raining, or if any of these things had happened, all of this stuff would be lost. Here's a piece um, that I'm working on right now. It's a mixed media piece.
1: Tom pulls out a big canvas from a stack in the
0: corner of the room. So what I've done with the artifacts, I've I've photographed them all and then I'm, I'm collaging them all together and then painting over them and you know. But what I'm also incorporating literally into this is pieces of the paint from the balcony are going to be pasted in where they should be. When you saw that up in, you know, up around the theater, it looked like you were in Versailles. It looked like it was just so expensive, right? But when you look at it, it's plaster stuffed with horse hair. It's just, it's nothing but a phony stage set that's what it is and that's what theater is theater's an illusion you know and it's it's just so much bullshit. But when you light it right, it, people just buy into it because it's about suspension of disbelief, right? Which is what we love about it. So what I really want to do is somehow express the scene that I feel. And I think that's an artist's job is to sort of express stuff that is otherwise inexpressible. You know, so you'll look at something and go, okay, I get it. This, there's a sort of energy that's in a place. And as I'm as I'm looking at not only the physical interior spaces of these of these places. But the people that work there and the people who went there and the kind of attitude that was happening in Vancouver at the time and the kind of the kind of scene, the kind of music that was being played there, there's sort of a there's sort of a vibe that I can kind of I can kind of imagine. And now it's just a matter of how to express that through art.
1: This has been an interesting Vancouver Portrait with Tom Carter. This episode was produced by me, Josh Gabertoyon, with support from David Swanson, Brett McFarland, and Mark Bussey. This podcast is made possible by the City of Vancouver, SFU Woodwards, Graphic Designers of Canada, and Creative Mornings Vancouver. Through talks, workshops, and programs, Interesting Vancouver celebrates the people and activities that can only happen in Vancouver and by Vancouverites. For more info, visit us at interestingvancouver.com. I'm Josh gabbard Weil. Thanks for listening.